Good afternoon. My name is Dale Marshall, and I want to welcome you to the Kitchen Sink Conversation Podcast. So we're going to introduce ourselves, and we're going to start on my left. We have... Davina Richardson-Robinson. Abigail Walcott. Kimberly Case. Natasha Marshall. Thank you for joining us. So the topic of today... So again, you know, in between podcasts, we, we have conversations. Um, and then we go too far, and we're like, we should be recording this. And so one of the, the topics that we stuck a pin in it. And so now we're going to talk about it now in the podcast was about mental health and overdiagnosing. And so I'm going to actually have Tasha start off because it was a conversation, a story that she was sharing with us. So Tasha, you want to take it? Yeah. Um, my experience, one of my experience with the, uh, diagnosing a child with ADHD and needing to take medication came from a close girlfriend lines. And, um, as a parent now, I wasn't a parent then when she was going through it, but as a parent now, I feel as though that's always the first solution that's thrown out to a parent when a teacher or someone in authority can't handle your child. Hmm. Now, I'm not saying they're always, you know, going to have the right solution to, to things, but my premise as a parent is medicating a child should always be a last option. And it so happened that she did not get him medicated. He's now 32 years old and has never taken any medication. And now he's like the mellowest person ever. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and from being around children, I've noticed something. When kids are rambunctious, little, they grow up to be mellow. And when they're quiet, little, they grow up to be a lot of uh, extrovert, kind of like loud. And I'm saying that because my son was like that. He was the sweetest little thing. And now he's wild as all get out. I'm like, where was this person? I didn't know you existed. <laughs> and then we have a cousin who was just wild. He was like, oh my gosh, he's going to end up on, you know, whatever one of those crime shows are. And now he's the most <laughs> chill, laid back person there is. I'm like, how do two of y'all switch so much? Your personality just changed to this, and you went from being couldn't take it to the movie theater to, to now you're just chilling. I think it's a function of perception as well as a, as a function of intervention. I think that that is all relative. Um, to your point, I know that there was a lot of discussion when I used to do foster care, social work, and all that stuff, and that was one of the things the Washington Post had done extensive articles and exposés on as it pertains to the overutilization of medication, and particularly when it came towards kids in the foster care system. That was one of the things that made the difference between whether you had a therapeutic youth or a regular youth, because if the child was medicated, that meant you got more money because they required mm. more intervention. That's a whole thing. Like, and that's still a phenomenon that exists to this day. You know if you're going to get, if you get a child from a therapeutic agency versus a regular foster agency, you know that there's a differential that's being offered. So let me say this. As a as a parent who has a child who is on AD, currently on ADHD medicine, our journey um, started off, again, with the teachers making comments of him being unable to focus, him being too active in class, and calling out out of turn and not knowing when to be quiet. And so when they approached me at first, like Tasha said, their first indication was put him on medication. Mm -hmm. As a parent who is not a fan of medication, who has been in the medical field and have seen kids on ADHD medication and know some of the, the side effects of it, I was not a fan of it. And so I did push back. And so in pushing back, I told them 
we need to try other methods first before you consider putting my son on medication. And so he had a um, mental health evaluation. He had a neuro like evaluation. He had a um, organization um, tactical mobilization um, evaluation. Um, and so they came up with um, aids like fidget sticks and things on his chair like um, um, tactile uh, seats on cushions on the seat and little things that he can do to kind of help him focus. And we went through this for about two years and eventually and seeing a therapist and all of that. And we did finally come down to the point where he was prescribed um, ADHD medication. Um, and I will say it did do a turn of events. Like he was definitely able to focus more in class and, and kind of sit down. But again, and one of my things that I had a problem with was even though we went through this process and they put him on the medication, like if he forgot his medication that day or he had a bad day or something like that, the first thing they went to was, did he take his medicine? Mm -hmm. And and I had a problem because one day they confronted my son. I was like, well, did you take your meds? And I had a huge problem with that because I'm like, as a teacher, you should never confront my child and tell him that the reason why he's having issues is because he did not take his medication because it makes him think that he can only focus and be productive if he's on the medication and that's the mentality that i don't want him to have and you know the other thing i i would ask you since you had that experience outside of school was there an issue no because kids learn differently that is correct african-american boys learn differently and that's why a lot of African-American men in educational system says there need to be a different type of learning environment Absolutely. for them. So, because not everyone can sit down and be in a traditional classroom. Right. Everyone doesn't learn that way. And that's how um, Montessori sp school came about. Because mm -hmm. if your child went to Montessori school, he could fidget all he wanted to, mm -hmm. as long as he got his assignment Absolutely. done. Mm -hmm. He could Absolutely. do his assignment standing upside down, going up. If now, if it impacted other areas of his life, then, then I'd be like, all right. Absolutely. But school, that just means his learning style is different than the traditional way that they're teaching. And for a school that prominent, that's a problem. And it was, and we had, a, and it was a big issue in that, and it's, and it's an ongoing um, conversation that we're always having with him. But, and like I told him, I said, you guys say he can't focus in class, but yet, this same child can sit on a gaming computer and be 100% fully focused on this game for hours on end, but yet you're saying he's having problems in class focusing. So my thing is, is it the style of teaching? Is it the environment? Like, what's, what, what is it? And I feel as teachers, where where did we lose the concept of teachers being able to adapt and That's what I was control talking. with these kids? It's like they don't have control. I, I think you need to take this. <laughs> no child left behind. That's Go what back happened. to faith-based initiatives under George Bush. No child left behind being the primary one. And mm -hmm. he said he wanted to raise the national average. Averages don't raise. Mm. Averages are the median between mm -hmm. the low and the high. Mm -hmm. Where is your norm? Mm -hmm. But he wanted to raise the national average. That was meant he wanted to shift everybody at least, what, five points north of wherever we currently were, right? And so that was the beginning. That was pre, like, way before Common Core. But that was the I beginning of teachers getting 
um, scripts, basically, yeah. for how we would introduce, instructs, and review information, right? Um, and then, and then, basic testing, really. You know, um, these kids had to get a certain point. We had a benchmark, and benchmark you were looking for. Certain, it's, it is what it is. It's the benchmark. Did you meet your benchmarks? Did you meet these milestones mm -hmm. that we set up for you based on neurotypical and neuro and physical, neurotypical and typical physical development, right? If you deviated in any of those areas, there was an issue because that was going to affect the norms. That was going to affect the, the, the new national standard average. And so we had to place you as an outlier. But with that came inclusive classroom management. So we had to put all these kids in there, but everybody had to meet a certain standard. And if they didn't, then we got what we called at the time were ARDs. I think most people call them IEPs now. Mm -hmm. But we, you know, then we had to start doing that. Well, teachers started, we didn't report a lot of things because that meant we had to do these extra meetings. That's right. We also got in trouble for saying, like, I couldn't say to you, Miss um, Marshall, I think your son might need glasses. Because now the school is responsible for finding out mm. what they need to do in order wow. to help him meet his academic standards. Because we've said, I've noticed it, he's having a hard time and it's impacting his grades. Now we're liable. Mm. So mm. I would let little Johnny not see. A lot of these changes came around when they wanted to compete with China and Japan. And they said the US, what year was that? US kids were lagging behind and China and Japanese. I mean, it was under Bush. It was no child left behind. We were this is what I'm about to say, because I remember clearly as day when I was in middle school, my mother having a parent teacher conference and they kept talking about, well, she's a really good kid, but she's always acting on. And you know why I was acting out? Bored. Thank you. No bored. Because you gave me an assignment. I'm finished and I have nothing else to do. Hello. Usually the experience for most kids, for most kids, even I, I recall this from my generation, even to my son's generation. Even with to, my kids with yeah, ADHD. Yeah, because to, to your point, I, I did make the transition. Like how you did, you noticed that the school setting was not meeting, the public school setting was not meeting my son's needs. My son is being raised by a person who multitasks in her sleep. So he, he picks up that kind of behavior pattern. Mm -hmm. He multitasks. So once he does his work, he wants to draw, he wants to read, he wants to do, he is a... This, this brother is like octopus. He just is doing stuff. For some teachers, that's disconcerting. But for him, it's how he keeps himself focused, keeps himself engaged. Mm -hmm. Because one thing I told him, I said, even though he's younger co compared to your standard, he was supposed to actually be in like a greater work to be ahead, behind, mm -hmm. sorry, behind. And they wanted to put him back. I was like, why? We do know that boys, when you when they become disengaged, they become what? More of a behavior mm -hmm. problem. Disruptive. So if you that's don't- everybody. But if you but if you don't, but that's usually more ascribed to board. But that's only because they want they want to make they I get I, I understand exactly where you're going with that. So that's why I did my own due diligence. I did my own research and to Tom's point, yeah, I put them in Montessori school because they like, oh well, yeah, if you want to draw every day, all day, as long as he gets as work long done, as his math is done. I don't care. Mm -hmm. And that's and he stayed there until that school got shut down. And that was that that was the bane of my existence because I spent so much time trying to transition between the public school and the private mm. school because I needed someone to go back to that model and understood it. Guess what? Not all children learn the same way. And unfortunately, most of the teachers, they, 
I have come across are one trick ponies. Mm -hmm. They only know how to teach to the middle of the road. Yeah, because they're not so going through. Teaching. They're not going through traditional. I cannot stand Common Core, and I say this because my son was in a charter school to begin with. We started. We yep. started out first. We started in public schools. Then we went to a charter school, and he ended up finally in a private school. He's been for the last six or seven years. But in the charted school, he was considered advanced. Yeah. He was considered ahead of the mm -hmm. game, mm -hmm. you know. And then they brought in Common Core, and because he was advanced, these teachers had my child helping other children get them up yes. to standard. And I'm saying, but wait That's a minute. Not his job. That's not his job, but he's he's losing out because you're not teaching yeah, him. him. That is correct. You're well, he needs about to learn. other kids that yeah. needs to get up to the Common Core level. So what about my son, who's already there? You have him helping other children the like that. And so when I transitioned him to private school, it was a whole nother world because, again, the curriculum was different. Mm -hmm. The standards were different. It was more rigorous. And that is how we found out he had a learning disability and he had these other things going on. Because in in the charter school, they 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 didn't focus on that. It was overlooked. He was overlooked. If he was, and so that's the thing overlooked. that we talk about the behavior problems a lot. What we fail to talk about are those kids who get overlooked because they're quiet. Mm -hmm. It's like they're they're bored enough uh, to to stay quiet, to zone out, to daydream. Mm -hmm. They finish their work, but nothing's sticking. They're not engaging. They're bored. It you know tomorrow when you ask them about it, they're not gonna get it. But because they didn't act out the next day, right. the all the day before, oh, he's such a good kid. You don't even notice there's this lack they of the, the ability to accumulate information and math that becomes really critical math and science because those are cumulative skills. Mm -hmm. Reading, you can kind of review and move on, but math is a cumulative skill. You got to learn addition properly in order right. to be able to do subtraction properly. Right. And the same way with multiplication and division. Like you got to do short division before you can do long division. Like it's a thing, right? Um, and I think that a lot of people, that's that's one of the reasons we don't see it until later when that accumulative, that accumulative skill is needed and it wasn't developed and they're like now actually three grade levels behind, but because they weren't tearing things up, we didn't notice. Right. Um, and then now we've, we've mislabeled them as having some, well, I think he just seemed like he's, he's not getting, you know, now we're, we're calling him other things because ADHD is when you're disruptive and you're yelling out and not all kids, it doesn't present that way. Mm -hmm. I think the other thing is that- You have ADHD with hyperactivity. Right. ADD. 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 Without. Without the hyperactivity. Um, some people have impulse control, other people don't. Some people have GI issues. And so it's like, every time I give him something to do, he needs to go to the bathroom, really, that's called anxiety. And his stomach is upset and he needs to yeah. go and poop. Yeah. But this is the thing, the teachers aren't receiving the training Absolutely. I agree. for the way that they, they were teaching it when they were going to a teaching college or a teaching university. Right now, you go to get a degree in anything and become a teacher after mm -hmm. your four years. Pretty as much. long as you pass that practice in that specialty that you're going to, they throw you in a classroom. Most but then you go into a, a classroom. You go into a classroom, you have 35 kids. If you're in elementary, you have the same 35 kids. If you're in Sometimes. middle school, you have 70. Mm -hmm. If you're in high school, you have 120. And you have to know those 120 personalities. Mm -hmm. That's a lot. You're asking a lot of a teacher. But that goes back well, to that's why that's why anybody early. can teach now, and that's what I was saying. Mm -hmm. That's, that's what, because they need to put warm bodies in the it's classroom. A shortage. There's a shortage of teachers that they don't pay them, and even if they did, they don't prepare them mm -hmm. for what they actually. You know what? 
one of the things when I realized I wanted to go into therapy, I had a kid in my class who had moved to Texas at, right after Hurricane Katrina. And so it's the first storm of the year. And if anybody knows anything about Texas, it gets really hot. So the storm is going to be loud when the heat meets with the cooler air. That's when you get your thunder and lightning, right? Mm -hmm. So this particular, like it had been blazing hot the days before. And all of a sudden the storm is rolling through and it's pitch black outside. And I'm looking out the window and I'm like, this is going to be a doozy. Never dawns on me that this kid kid just moved up here from New Orleans Mm -hmm. and it starts to rain. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm doing my thing. We lose power. And all of a sudden I hear whining, just this low whine, like a dog, almost like Mm -hmm. whimpering. And then I realize this desk is empty and I freaked out for about two seconds. And then I I looked under, he was sitting under another, um, I had a table towards the back of the classroom and he was hiding under there and he was just whimpering and like rocking. And I said, oh, like that, it dawned on me like what was going on. And I got down on the floor and crawled under the desk with him. Now, mind you, I didn't, I didn't go to my team for support. Why? Because I had had the year before I'd had a teacher say to me that she was worried that all of the refugees from Katrina were going to end up having more than they had. I mean, like that was the anger of the people who were Mm. teaching your children. So I think again, for me, there's a whole climate that occurs in these classrooms where 90% of the teachers are white females. Mm-hmm. 90% of school psychologists are white females. Um, there's, a, there's a whole 90% of diagnosticians are white females. Like there's a whole climate. And um, I don't know, anybody who knows me knows that I'm a big proponent of African-centered education. Um, and I understand that that's not everybody's philosophy and everybody doesn't push for that and everybody doesn't have, I mean, doesn't everybody doesn't have a school that I would recommend you put your kids in. But one of the people that I work with, uh, Baba Amin Ojuak, he has the Uhuru Academy, and it's a virtual center. It started in the back of a bookstore for kids who were constantly getting put out of the public school system with no other recourse. They hadn't had the appropriate testing. They hadn't had appropriate accommodations. Their families just didn't necessarily um, have resources or even awareness of what the, uh, the other um, educational opportunities might be. And so he started an alternative school in a, in a Black-owned bookstore and started saying, look, we're going we're gonna to work on whatever. And he started working with the local school district and getting these kids who were getting kicked out of school and started working with them. I said all of that to say, a lot of times, yes, it is the lack of a teacher's ability to control your kid. You, If you've got a third grader, he's what, nine? And he's active in class? Ma'am, maybe you have them sitting too long for one lesson. Mm -hmm. It is okay to break up your math and science. Go outside and do an experiment and come back in. Uh Have them break into groups and do math drills and then sit down. So Have them read in buddies. So a couple things I want to jump in. So again, what you mentioned earlier, there's a script. There's mm-hmm. is definitely a script and we are still, st- and the script is old, it's outdated and it's ineffective. So a couple of things I want to say, cause I haven't really said a whole lot. So the thing about you're right, we need to change the way we do things, mm-hmm. but a teacher, a teacher trying to make change is like going against the grain. It it's is. like going rogue and they're not going to have that. 
They're afraid to do that. So focus, you talked about focus. And this is the thing, because I don't think it's a bad thing. And I'm not saying anybody said that if a teacher noticed that your child is not able to focus, because Mm -hmm. it, it may not be the material, it could be something else. Because inability to focus can can be a symptom of what depression Depression. or anxiety Mm -hmm. so it's it's good sleep deprivation deprivation. exactly so it's good that the teacher is noticing that the child is having difficulty focusing however like you said meds can't be the first um solution like the 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 go-to you want to say something yeah but we also forgot one other dynamic and i'm sure you can speak to this Parents who don't want to acknowledge that there's an issue. Yes. I was going to touch on that because this is the thing. You talked about Bush and you talked about no child being left behind. However, I I say this all the time. During that time, crack was hitting Mm -hmm. us hard. You have a lot of children that were exposed to substances in uterine. So that definitely made a big difference. Mm -hmm. So again, they may look beautiful. They're cute and they look fine. They look healthy on the outside internally, neurologically, there very well could be issues that was caused by their introduction to cocaine, heroin, and a plethora of other drugs, alcohol in uterine. So that that can impact their ability to learn. It can definitely cause them. So again, when you say parents don't want to acknowledge, yeah, because my child looks fine. He's funny. He's smart. He's cute. He has 10 fingers and 10 toes. What do you mean he has ADHD? What do you mean he has a mental health issue? What do you mean he has behavior issues? He's fine. He's fine at home. He's fine at home because you're beating the mess out of him. So well, yeah, because he's, he's gonna... watching television and not having Exa- to do exactly. that too. That too. You're not engaging. You're, you're not, not you engaging. How do you you're not engaging. Well, let me say this. As, and, and I, I was not a parent that was not um, open to the my thing was, and why I questioned it when they first told me that he was having trouble focusing was, I'm looking at his reports and all that. And in science, which he loves, it was like, oh, he's so engaging. He's, he's always got something to say. He's this and that. So then we came to math and it was like, oh, he can't focus. He can't do this. And math is not his favorite subject. So I found that the classes he didn't like was where he had the issues of the focusing. Right. That's a lot of children, though. That's, that's, yeah, yeah. That's not children, that's adults. And that was my thing. Why do you automatically go to medication when some of his classes he's doing so well and he's focusing fine, but in some classes that he doesn't like, he's not focusing, but you automatically say, it's easy. It's easy because it's easier. It's easy. It's a quick fix. And that's what I was getting at when I was talking earlier. Like a lot of it is a matter of control. I'm, I'm having to redirect you to more than I want to. Mm-hmm. You need to take something so you can be more mm-hmm. malleable mm-hmm. and controllable yeah. for me. Mm-hmm. So how did this become? Because I'm sure back in the day, when I was in school, when we were all in school, there were kids that had these so-called attention issues and medication was not the goal. The Are you day. sure that that was, it wasn't? It so, was not. So I want to talk about But you it. don't know every child's history. That's so the other that's thing. The you don't thing. know the every child's history. Is, you were a we child. Why would you know that? Like the, the, the rise of autism. I think mm-hmm. that we that's went it. from being yeah. like one in 88 to like one in 50 to now it's like one in eight. Like the numbers yeah. are ridiculous. ridiculous. But we how this conversation started off was the overdiagnosing. Right. The overdiagnosing, the overdiagnosing, the overdiagnosing. Because people, we started saying, look, we got too much to deal with. Get your kid under control. I got 19 other kids as a minimum. Um, and I, my test, we we do the test. When do we do the benchmark? October? 
Like, so if school starts in August, because it starts in August in Texas, if school starts in August, I've got August, September, and then they're testing in October. Ma'am, I'm not have time to play with your kid. Come and get your child. Go and take your child to the doctor. Like I was saying earlier, like I may notice, but there are things that I can't say because that makes the school district liable and now I'm in trouble. So go around, wrangle your child. You figure your shit out. How is that ethical? How is that even ethical? It's not about, it's not about ethics. But it should be about ethics. But can you prove as a that I noticed? As a, right. no, if I don't say no, anything, no. and I don't recognize anything. And there's no incentive for you to say anything either. There's no incentive for you to say anything. You. Just like what we've seen be more of an issue with the shootings and mm-hmm. all that. We've seen it come full circle. Full it's out there for everybody to see because you knew. Mm-hmm. And you contributed. And you participated. Mm-hmm. And you ignored. And you enabled. Yeah. Like I said, you can see it like from the medical perspective. I've been in the medical field for over 25 years now. And I can say from when I started back in 1993 to the to now, the amount of kids that are on mm-hmm. medication yes, has drastically increased. Back then we had maybe one or two kids that was on medication. So now half of the practice, if not mm-hmm. more, more, more is than on half. medication. Well, we're react. We're a reactive country. Yes, we're, we're not, not preventative. We're we're not we're about not, prevention. We're not only that, where everything is experiential. Like I was saying when we during the break, I was telling Natasha about women with who have issues with fertility will often get diagnosed uh, with a bunch of different stuff, and they get prescribed metformin, which is a drug for diabetes. But you put metformin with clomid, and all of a sudden you've got a boost. And egg production, and now you got these women getting pregnant. Never mind that when they come off of metformin and dive and, and clomid, they women report like crashing in their whole like one portion of their body, mm. um, having like paralysis and having because I just took a diabetes drug and gave it to you because you were talking about you want to have a baby, mm. <laughs> you know. And so we're doing we're over medication, experiential and medication. Not not thorough testing because testing costs money and and, who cares and that slows up the, the healthcare system. The, the, it just so there are so many things that play into it. So many kids who are having trouble. We're going okay. We're gonna try you on Ritalin. Okay, let's try you on Focalin. Okay, let's try you on serotonin. Let's try you on what uh, what's Seroquel or and we're gonna try you on Corvallis and yeah. we're gonna try you on literally. And I mean, I've got kids who see a psychiatrist once a month in order for the med tab the med management. But we're changing their meds every six weeks as a minimum. As a minimum. And to your point, though, we don't know what's going on. It's also driven by what is the overarching theme of healthcare? Um, it, it is it is, the, it is to get you to come back. Of course. It's to keep you sick. It's not to treat you or cure you. you. And so it's mental health is an extension of that. It's an extension Listen. of the Okay, whole so then Chris ask Rock, the question, what is the that, overall, overarching thing of education? It's conformity. Right. It is not to make you educate. It's, it's not. not it's not to educate you at all. Hey, well, you know, come on. What is it? What, it's, what's the it's, saying? It's, a, it's to facilitate the workforce. That's what it is. That, and, and they're not doing a very good job at that either. Yeah. Well, no, so it's like we're for, we're getting them we're getting them ready for prison. Expect our kids. Well, that's so that's that the other the thing. Other part that Baba Amin always talks about is the pipeline to prison programs. And how when your kids start having problems in third grade, they're already doing testing to determine how many prisons they're going to mm, be by wow. the time they graduate. High school, yes, ma'am. By the time they graduate. So here's the thing. You don't notice an issue until your child has to be social and engage and interact on a grade level appropriate, like with other children their age. 
which doesn't happen until they enter school. Mm-hmm. And we don't really start getting into testing until first and second grade. By then, we've got an established track record. He's got a problem by third grade. Your kids is full-blown on meds by sixth grade at the latest. And and then all of that programming. And then the spiral of so, the other, so other issues. One thing I have to say, could we have to wrap up? So I, I have a list of conflict strategies real quick that I, that I offer to my patients and my clients. And one of them is to, when we're um, trying to resolve conflict, we need to address the issue and not your position. And so the example I use is a politician. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican or Democratic, what is the issue? If the education system needs revamping, then that's what we need to do. Whether you are Jewish or Christian or a Democrat or Republican, mm-hmm. your position does not matter. Whether you're wealthy or poor, if you're in a, you're, the issue is education. So let's deal with education. If we need to redo but our health care. Education should be the same across the board. It's horrible that we have schools that don't have the same standards. Well, that's my whole point. You're right. You're right. That's a whole different thing. Absolutely. So just real quick to when I went to Canada and I went up there to live, because I mentioned earlier, I was going on 16. I did 11th grade up there and I was just really dumbfounded because I was like, they were so much more advanced than Mm -hmm. I was. And I was like, and I knew then at the age of 15 going on 16, that the education in the system in the United States sucked. Mm-hmm. Horrible. Does, Horrible. Sure. And so, you know, um, I did come back because I want to graduate on time and I knew I might not graduate on time if I stayed in Toronto. But um, yeah, however, um there's a correlation. Yeah, there is a correlation. We'll have to touch on it in, in the uh, next time. So this is Dale Marshall. I want to thank you for joining our podcast, The Kitchen Sink Conversation. You have Davina, Abigail, Kimberly, and Natasha. Thank you so much. Join us. Take care. <laughs>